tonight the city is full of morgues And all the toilets are overflowing There's shopping malls coming out of the walls As we walk out among the manure Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of Storytelling. Uh, I am Fred Rojas, I am your host, and this is going to be episode two called Friends. Uh, Before we get started, just wanted to remind everybody, if you have not heard this before, I gave this disclaimer at the beginning of uh, the last episode, and it'll probably be the last time I'll give this disclaimer. But this episode is, or this series is based around uh, real life stories of, um, as the best I can remember, memories from my past. And uh, it involves personal feelings, personal opinions, and personal stories, and those can have all kinds of crazy content and language behind them. So if you're sensitive to those kinds of things, you should be aware of that before uh, continuing on with this episode. Um, This episode will probably be pretty tame. Uh, There might be some stuff, but but for the most part, uh, this is about my friends growing up. And of course, video games and games of all types will weave their way in. So without further ado, let's kick it off with episode two, Friends. So um, as far as back as I can remember, friends have always been important to me. I'm a person who's kind of big on uh, interpersonal communication um, and having like a support system and whatnot. But at the same time, uh, I have to note that um, I'm tolerant of like a a lesser number of people in the grand scheme. I can only live with certain type of people, certain types of people I call friends. But at the same time, if you put me into a serious social situation, I can navigate that no problem. Um, And as such, uh, I I never really had, I have one best friend and he's always been my best friend um, since we became close friends. And I'll tell his story later. His name's uh, Jason or Jay, as I call him now. Um, who is like truly my best friend. He was, uh, he, 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 we, we got together about 15, 16 years old and it's been that way ever since. Um, that being said, I have a lot of very close friends and I kind of had just like a primary friend for a large portion of my life. Um, up until, um, Jason came around, Uh, And that was because, and again, I I think it's almost a discredit to these people to not call them best friends. I apologize. I use the term best friend as something I never could have known until now, which is like reflecting back on life, who is the sole primary friend I've ever had. And it doesn't mean that these other friends who uh, I'll definitely talk about are any lesser. Uh, In fact, in many cases, it was circumstantial. I either moved away from them or they moved away from me. Um, So that's not anyone's deal. It just just doesn't make them uh, significant parts of my life growing up because of whatever reason, and therefore they're not called that. I almost act like I'm I'm saying this to apologize to these friends, and, and honestly, most of them won't be listening. There might be a couple of them uh, who are kind enough to listen. Um, but anyway, I have significant people in my life, and usually it's one. Uh, as I've grown up, uh, I've collected a couple of them, and so some of the people in this very show I'm still friends with today. I might bring it up if it's relevant, but I might not. So anyway... 
Um, like everything, I'll go chronologically though. And so my friendships start probably with my closest friend uh, when I was five, six years old. I want to say six, maybe seven, uh, which is, uh, I'll just use first names. Um, these people know who they are and I don't feel there's a, a need to change it because everybody has a pretty common first name. Um, so that was Jonathan. Uh, Jonathan, uh, I, I was born in Kansas City. I would move to Chicago when I was six years old, 1982, 1988. Yeah, when I was six years old. So I must have been friends with Jonathan from five to six, which is interesting to think about now that my daughter is six. Um, it's very interesting to think about. Um, and the reason I say that is because um, I, I feel like some of the activities Jonathan and I did, uh, I'll tell the, the, uh, the video game story in a minute. Um, you know, th- this is a story of us walking up to the neighborhood video store by ourselves. Um, but you know what? In 1987, maybe that, that happened. That might actually hold water. It was summer of 87. So maybe if you were within like three blocks or something, that would be plausible. I don't know. But anyway, Jonathan was a was a good friend of mine. I, I don't even remember how anyone knows him. My mother was always involved in healthcare, and it's possible his father worked in healthcare. I do not remember how I know Jonathan, but we became close friends uh, pretty early on. And it was kind of a mutual thing. He he and I had a lot of fun playing together. Um, and his parents bought him an NES and pretty much any game he wanted. Uh, and that made it, uh, very advantageous, shall we say, um, for me to want to play with him. I-, I should point out, I think we were friends before that. I think we grew up playing together, maybe three, four. I'd have to ask my mom. Um, but, uh, but I remember summer of, or sorry, winter of 87, um, well, yeah, winter of 87 was when I would get an NES, so maybe he had one before me, because this would have been summer of 87. Um, I guess it's possible summer of 88 was when I moved to Kansas City, and this might have happened in summer of 88 before I moved. So I'll, I'll give that disclaimer, not that it matters too much. Um, what I can tell you was what we played at the time. I remember some of the most popular games we played at the time were... Mega Man, and I almost want to say Mega Man 2. I'd have to go look it up if Summer of 87 would be Mega Man 2. But it's possible it was just Mega Man 1. And I remember wanting Castlevania, and I know that was Summer of 87. And I remember um, Data East's uh, Double Dragon, which is a, uh, a, a, a interesting alteration of the arcade port with mild leveling RPG mechanics, which, you know, depending on how you grew up, you either think that's a a, a great move or a terrible move. I personally loved it. I still love Double Dragon today, but it has a a serious flaw, which is that you get to level four and then all progress is kind of stifled. And if you don't have save states, you kind of die. Probably it's all luck based. It really has nothing to do with skill because especially like the brick walls in the beginning. Um, But I remember he had double dragon. I loved playing it, even though uh, I died where most people died. In fact, in the wizard, they even show it off, which is there's a bridge. There's a jump you have to do. And right afterwards, there's a guy with a knife. And if you don't know the jump kick stops the knife, then you're kind of shit out of luck because you jump across and then the guy with the knife shows up and you try to dodge him or walk away from him. He throws the knife at you and that either kills you and takes away your life or knocks you into the water. Anyway, um, and I remember we rented games. 
Uh, I'm trying to remember where we rented games from. I, I don't remember. I want to say it was the Easy Stop. Easy Go. Uh, for those of you living in uh, the... Uh, uh, the south suburbs of uh, Kansas City. Uh, this is a- actually out in Olathe, believe it or not. And this would be roughly 127th and Strangline? Yeah, yeah, that frontage road along I-35. Uh, that's where it was. Um, and I think we lived in the neighborhoods. I lived in Fox Ridge, so that was I was a little farther away in Black Bob, but he, I think, lived over there off of Ridgeview. And there are some neighborhoods over there, some nice houses and stuff like that. But I could be completely off on my locations um, because I remember his house seemed uh, palatial to a certain extent. And I bet nowadays I would view that house. I've used my own house as palatial as well. And for reference, these are roughly 2,000 square foot houses, which are nothing to scoff at. They're very nice houses. Um, they usually were split levels. So you had a couple stairs going up, a couple stairs going down. And then below that was like a basement or a sub-basement. I believe he had a full basement. And it was one of those things where it wasn't finished. Like I think it was, uh, I think they put down like some some carpeting, like a, a rug or something. And then they had the Nintendo set up with a little, God, it was probably like a 17 inch. It was color. Uh, could have been a Zenith for all I know, but maybe it was my, Jonathan had some money. So maybe it was something along the lines of a Sony or a Panasonic. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Um, we were hooking these things up through the old RF connection also, to be clear. Uh, I think everybody in the late eighties was hooking these up through the RF connection. The NES does have RCA connections, but almost no one had those on the back of their TVs. And Jonathan and I definitely did not. Um, but we, we wanted to go rent a game and for the life of me, I cannot remember the game. A couple of the games I remember being super interested in at the time were the adventures, the adventures of Dino Ricky, which is, if you've never played it, it's a, it's a caveman game before caveman games became super popular in the early nineties in this, you know, Joe and Max super NES era. Um, but, uh, it was a, uh, think of it as almost a vertical shooter. You are a caveman moving left to right. You do have limited jumping abilities. I wouldn't say there's any platforming per se. And you're mostly shooting at things. You shoot different projectiles, such as um, tomahawks, I think. Uh, but I might be throwing that in because of Adventure Island. And now that I think about it, Adventure Island may very well have been the game we were renting at the time. I remember Jonathan didn't have it. And usually he got Nintendo games at a pretty regular clip, like every two weeks, one every two weeks or a month. But... Um, but in all honesty, I, I, I don't remember. Um, I do remember specifically that there was a fireball in Dino Ricky. And I remember specifically there was a boomerang move in Dino Ricky. So that might have been one of them. And it was constantly scrolling vertically. So it was kind of like a top-down view. And it was constantly sc- scrolling vertically. So it was like an early shoot 'em up kind of. Um, or shooter, shall I say. Because I know shoot 'em up or shmup is a, uh, an endangered word that should probably die a... Uh, uh, not a miserable, but a quick death. Um, and the other one was Iron Tank. Iron Tank is a weird game. You you are a tank. And I think it's it's repurposing a sprite from like either Akari Warriors or Guerrilla War. And you drove it around and it had a, a pretty cool soundtrack. Um, but uh, but yeah, yeah. And, and I remember like seeing it in like a cheats video or something. And uh, it's really hard. So I remember not even being able to beat the first level. But anyway, we were renting one of these games. And so here's the funny kids antics thing. And this might be a little gross, but you guys are going to have to deal with this. So we get the game and we're walking back. And like, oh, God, everybody's been through this. It doesn't matter what your age is. This happens to everybody. Um, I'm pretty sure it happens to me. But off the top of my head, I can't remember when it happened to me. But I'm, I'm sure it did. 
Um, but Jonathan, all of a sudden, I heard his stomach like gurgle, you know, and I can't remember if his family allowed him to eat McDonald's, but it, it, I think he had a family that was really into fast food. My mom was usually a stickler for fast food. She always just assumed that fast food uh, was about as expensive as home cooked meals. And she was a real home cooker kind of person. So we got fast food like almost never. Um, We got McDonald's when we were like driving to, you know, my grandma's on the weekend, which my grandma lived about three hours away from us in Kansas City in the Lake of the Ozarks. And so you would get it Friday night if we were driving to grandma's house. But uh, once I moved uh, to Chicago in 88, uh, or late 87, I can't remember. Uh, it was 88, sorry. Um, uh, I, I think this changed. Uh, but uh, anyway, I remember him having a stomach ache. And I remember hearing his stomach gurgle from like walking beside him in the sidewalk. And I remember he grabbed his stomach and he kind of looked at me with that troubled face. And Jonathan was a very uh, soft-spoken, very polite, proper child. Uh, I think his parents dressed him pretty well. Um, like he was always like dressed up a little nicer than a six or seven year old should be dressed or five, six, seven year old. Um, and, uh, and he looked at me with those eyes of dread, you know, and he goes, I need to find a bathroom. And I was like, okay. So, so we tried to get to the easy stop and it was that, that moment, like he, he's like, we're like, uh, cause that was, I think where we rented. So maybe we were looking for a different place where we could stop. And his house was like two blocks away. And I remember going, can you make it? And he, no, I couldn't. So we tried to walk a little bit further and then he just stopped and and haunched over and you could just see the look on his face and he was just like, oh, I just had an accident in my pants. And I was like, oh man, that sucks. Like I wasn't even thinking like gross per se because I didn't have to do anything with it. He didn't want me to help him. But I just remember seeing like on the back of his pants, you could see it kind of soaking through. It's so bad. And then we had to like slowly walk ourselves through there. And I just remember feeling for that guy. And when he got home, he was like almost in tears, right? He was just embarrassed. And luckily no one on the sidewalk really paid us any mind or paid attention or anything. But man, it was like the longest walk. And I remember never before in my life at that point had I felt so sorry for another human being. Um, but all in all, he was a great friend. And, uh, <laughs> shortly after that, I'm sorry, that's the best story I can remember of him. Uh, I remember moving away. Um, and we moved to Chicago cause my dad took a job and then uh, he was out there for a little bit to make sure the job was of his liking and stuff like that. That, that happened in the eighties. I don't think that happens much anymore, but like the company paid to bring him out there. They paid for an apartment for him for three months while he basically beta tested the job and made sure it was to his liking and then uh, brought us out. And I think they paid for us to move too. I think they helped us sell the house and they, they paid to move us. And again, my dad is a very smart chemist. And so, uh, and he was working for a very large pharmaceutical company, but at the same time, I don't think that same company would do that today. I think today's uh, job market, don't believe any of the hype people say, and I know somebody's going to jump all over me for this, but don't believe the hype people say. In the late mid to late 80s, and especially the 90s under the Clinton era, like in America, we had a lot more money. And from a uh, comparative standpoint, maybe things are less expensive now than they were, but people struggle harder now than they did. Jobs weren't that hard. You know, my father was the age I am now. And if I could make what he did and get the benefits he did, uh, that, that would just like blow my mind. And again, I I don't feel too bad for myself because, um, that's pretty uncommon nowadays, but like in my dad's age, that was pretty common, you know? And my, my dad talks to me all the time and he's like, you know, it's just hard for me to imagine that you're not yet in corporate, like upper management at, 
36, you know, and that you've been working for your company 11 years and they've moved you in a couple of positions that were promotions, but like they're not offering you like management or director, assistant director level positions. Like that just didn't happen. We moved, you know, he was like, when I was there, there were 17 or I think it was seven. Well, they called it 17, but like, I think you moved in, in groups of two. So let's say for the sake of argument, there were like eight levels of like, you know, think of it almost as the army. Like there's like, you know, your private first class when you first get started and then there's like leads and then like supervisor and then manager and da, 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 da. And in his division, he climbed that rung. I mean, faster than most, but still in 15 years, he was at, you know, above director level, maybe even VP level. And so he just today to see that a person who is dedicated and excels at their work and gets good reviews and things like that just sits there. And so does everybody else I work with. And I'm on a small team. Um, is just unheard of. And the idea that my boss is only a couple of years younger than me. So we might all grow up and, and never move, you know, he's just like, that's, that's, that's insane, (laughs) you know? And I don't know if it is or not. And, and we're in completely different worlds. Pharmaceuticals is not the same as healthcare hospital systems. I'm in technology. He was in product development, you know, they're, they're very different worlds. So maybe they do exist somewhere else. And I'm sure somebody will correct me on that. But I do think I'm speaking pretty clearly when I say that it's, it's, it's not normal for that anymore. Um, it is not normal for somebody in their 40s to be a director level or a VP level. Um, sure, there are people who come and go. And if you are connected in any way, if you're family or if you raise the ranks at a very young age and you get opportunism, sure, that absolutely exists today. I mean, America was founded on that concept. But in a massive company that's well-established, I don't think you can climb like that. I don't think any, even the smartest 21-year-old in Sony right now that's graduating college is magically going to at 45 be, you know, uh, you know, vice president, president or director or COO, CEO status. But who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that totally happens. But I, I don't think so. I think it, I think America is closely starting to resemble the salary man mentality of, of the post bubble economy, Japan. But again, I I don't study world economies um, and I haven't really looked into much of the GDP stuff or statistical or any of those, those business oriented classes. Uh, I'm hoping to go back and get my MBA soon, but uh, until then I I haven't really studied it outside of, um, you know, I, I I did macroeconomics and microeconomics and then, um, and then a, a, a world economics uh, course just for fun in college. You know, I think they were all three 200 level courses. So, uh, but, so I understand how economics work, but, uh, but I, I haven't really studied everyone's uh, job markets and industries, but I imagine I have a relatively general grasp of the general consensus of business in America, but who knows if I'm way off base and you know better than I, I'd love to hear from you. Anyway, back to the situation at hand. So I moved to, uh, to Kansas, or to, to, to Kansas. I moved from Kansas to uh, Illinois, and I'm in the northern suburbs. Um, talked about that last episode, but uh, uh, first person I meet is Mike, and I think I talked about Mike last episode, but we moved into condos. We moved into condos that were on this beautiful lake um, called Little Bear Lake. Um, you'd probably know it better as Big Bear Lake if you lived in the area. Um, they were twin lakes, actually. It was like a figure eight almost. Um, great place to hang out. Great place to grow up. They had a great sled hill. I was only there for like a year, but I met Mike because he lived across the hall from me. Um, and when I say condos, think of it as like 
what is now urban living, but it was suburban living. It was um, Id- units you owned, but they were one bed. They were not one bedroom. They were one story. Um, they were. Uh, it was. A, it was spatial. It had a living room. It had a dining room. It had a kitchen uh, with an island, so you know you're making it. Um, it. Had two bedrooms. Yep. It had a master with a bed bathroom attached. Then it had a uh, a side bedroom that my sister and I shared. Uh, we didn't share the same bed. We're, it's not like that. Um, we just had twin beds on either side of the room, and there was a big window between us. I remember that. We were on the ground floor, and they were like three story condos. Um, and, uh, and then we had an attached bathroom as well. And that bathroom had the washer and dryer. So it was a decent unit. Gosh, if I were to guess eight, 900 square feet. Um, and it was a temporary place. It was, it was a place that, uh, my dad, uh, got to move into once his family moved over. Um, and I don't think they might've assisted in the, in, in the thing, but I don't think they paid for the condo. And I think it was a temporary displacement between the money he had gotten for our house in Kansas. And he dumped that into the condo. And then shortly after, we built our house. Uh, we didn't, might not have built it. We might have bought it, actually. I bet we bought it. I don't think we built it. No, the, the neighborhood was established. So we, we bought it. Um, but anyway, it was this one year in between. But Mike, just like Jonathan, like they, he, had, um, he had all the systems. I remember going over to his house. This would have been... Summer of 89, I think. I think we moved in the, in the fall, like right before school started of 88. And I moved out of there fall of 89. Yes. Wait, no. We moved into our house in 90. That's right. In August of 1990. So I might have been at this unit two years. And that might make sense as to why some of these things bleed over. Because I think Mike lived, his mother and his grandparents, his mother was a single mom. So I'm guessing she was a, she, she got divorced and Mike was my age. So we were six, seven, eight. Uh, let's think, let's think this through. Let's go 1989 is when this happens. And let's say Mike and I are the same age. Cause I, I'm, I'm fairly certain we are. Um, and, uh, and so that would make me seven. So we're, we're seven. Um, and I remember he had a Nintendo and he had all this really cool stuff. Like he had a lot of games and again, he lived with his grandparents. They were married. Um, you know, and then their daughter, his mom, uh, had gotten divorced. And I think her and Mike moved in and they had a larger condo than us because I think there were three bedrooms because Mike had his own bedroom. I think the mom had her own bedroom and then the grandparents had the master. And so it was a larger condo, which 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 totally happened. But roughly it was the same size condo. It just had an extra bedroom. Um, and uh, I remember uh, his bed was huge. It had a huge frame, which was kind of rare back then, in my opinion. But maybe that was because we just had basic frames on our beds. I would later get a water bed. So it was much more drastic, but at that time that wasn't the case. Um, but he had a huge wooden frame. I think his bed was a full. And, uh, I remember we'd always sit at the edge of his bed on that frame, on that thick wooden frame. And, uh, then he had like a big desk that was like built into the wall. It wasn't a traditional desk. It was like, think of almost a ledge coming out of the wall that's mounted into the wall. That's what they had for the desk. And he had a little like, uh, you know, color TV hooked up with an NES. Anyway, um, and him and I just played hours of video games. I remember playing through Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers with him. I remember playing through DuckTales. I remember playing through Mega Man 2, 3. 
Um, I remember playing Back to the Future and thinking that game sucked and that we didn't understand it because back in the day, if you sucked at a game, it meant you didn't understand it. Uh, I remember Bubble Bobble. He's the reason I know and love Bubble Bobble. Um, played through all 100 levels. That was fantastic. Uh, his parents didn't have a bedtime. My parents weren't super strict about bedtimes, but at that age, I was probably going to bed at 9 and my sister was younger than me by four years, obviously. So she was like three or four. She was going to bed at like 7, 38. Um, but if I was over at Mike's, especially for sleepovers, that was that was the place where I'd go do sleepovers. Um, we could we could play till like midnight. Like I think his parents would tell us to go to bed or his grandparents would tell us to go to bed. And then they wouldn't check on us. So we'd just close the door and play video games all night. As long as we were quiet, we were good. I also remember Mike had robbed the robot. And I remember playing Gyromite and being like, he was really into it and... Rob was a fascination of mine, but Rob didn't really do much, even with Gyromite. Like, he just opened and closed the gates. And so I remember being like, wow, this thing's really cool, but it also kind of sucks. <laughs> and also, I was ramping up my Nintendo games. Like, I was getting Nintendo games at a pretty good clip. And so, oh, you know what? I remember this in between. No, we did buy the house in 90, but I was only at that condo for one year, uh, which was 88 to 89, because 89 to 90, we moved into a duplex in the same neighborhood. But again, it was an in-between. I think my dad wasn't sure we could afford a big house. Then he moved into the duplex, like a full house. He moved into the duplex in that neighborhood, which was like on the front end of the neighborhood. And then realized we could do we we could afford better. Maybe you got a promotion. I don't remember. I wasn't paying much attention. And then we moved again. And I'll I'll tell you why in a second because this comes to my other friends. Um, but anyway, Mike was great. And I do remember later in time visiting him because we remained friends for a while, uh, even once I'd moved. And I remember going over to his house because I remember in 1992. He got a Sega CD, and I remember that was where I played a bunch of Night Trap, and I would constantly spend the night at Mike's house, and we were, I was like 10 at that point. And so, yeah, we would just play countless hours of Sega CD, Sherlock Holmes, we never got those right, and just tons of Streets of Rage and stuff like that, because all those games, Revenge of Sinobi, Streets of Rage, even Super Hang-On and Golden Axe, like those games were on the Genesis, but I don't think Mike had any of them until he got the Sega CD sampler disc. Uh, it's not even a sampler disc because it's all five Genesis games in one. And I think they're supposed to have enhanced soundtracks, but I do think even though it's Redbook Audio, it is still the same tracks from the Genesis cart um, because the Genesis would use that Yamaha chip to create its own sounds, which is why emulators still can't do it correctly yet. Um, and instead they just like professionally recorded captures of those sounds and I think that's what's on the CD but like I remember listening to Streets of Rage on the cart and then going straight to the Sega CD now that I'm older and I can do that um, and do those comparisons and I remember I don't think they're any different uh, the same thing is true of Lethal Enforcers fun fact while we're on the side note Lethal Enforcers on the cart and on the disc are identical to one another so if you ever get Genesis or Sega CD Lethal Enforcers it doesn't matter which one you get regardless of what console you have uh, they are identical it's literally the ROM just dumped on a CD-ROM <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to Mike. Um, so yeah, Mike was a lot of fun. And I just remember, um, you know, his family treated me like a brother to him. And my family was really nice to him too. But, you know, you always have that friend who you either everybody comes to your house or you go to their house. And I, you know, later on in time, I'd be the house. We'll get to it in a minute that everybody goes to. But for now, uh, I would always go over to Mike's. And it was probably because we were the only kids, you know, and my, my little sister was there and made things more difficult. 
you know, but I just remember we just kind of shared everything. Like if he needed to borrow a cart, he'd just come knock on my door. Hey, can Fred come over? Or can Fred borrow a cart or something? Or can we swap them out and stuff like that? We had to start writing our names on the carts so our parents could keep track who had what. <laughs> we always knew our inventory, but they didn't. And and like I never felt like I was missing out if my stuff was over at Mike's. But the uh, as a parent now, I understand with these stupid LOL dolls. Like it's like, well, whose is whose? Like I never trust the kids, and I probably should because I definitely kept it straight, and so did Mike. Uh, the other game that Mike and I love to play, which is why I still love it today, even though I know people universally think it's shit. Ice climbers. We loved ice climbers, and actually ice hockey. While I'm thinking about it, but a lot of people love ice hockey. Um, but Nintendo ice climbers. Uh, Ice Climber, rather, is the name of it. That was fun. We loved it in co-op. And I still, to this day, love playing that game. But I think it is pure nostalgia. Um, So then we move on. Uh, When I was living in the duplex, I think it was around this time. But it might have been around Big Bear that I met him. Because he lived in apartments that were more like two-story duplexes. Um, But you know what, Jay? Maybe your house was a single story. But I think you were a two-story. Was uh, my buddy Jay. Not Jason, who I talked about, who we all call Jay nowadays, um, but J-A-Y is his name, Jay. Uh, it's his legal name. There you go. Um, and, uh, and yeah, he's, he's a great guy. Like, I know I still talk to him today. We actually found each other. One of the, one positive thing from Facebook was we found each other again. Um, and also, real quick story with Mike. Uh, it's not even a story. He would move away to Florida in 1993. Um, and I would never see him again. I want to say he moved to the Orlando area. No, Tampa Bay. He moved to Tampa Bay because one time I did fly out and visit him in 94. And that's crazy. Um, but uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Or maybe it was 93. It was 93 or 94. And I remember it was the first time being on a plane by myself. My mom would hand me off at the gate to the stewardess. I would be in the front row and then I would meet up with them. And then I remember rushing over to the payphone to call my mom because there were no cell phones or pagers or anything. She wanted to know the moment we landed that I was in Mike's family's hands. And I don't remember if it was the mom or the the grandparents who picked us up. Um, but uh, but yeah, anyway. Um, so then there was Jay. Jay and I had a ton of fun, but Jay showed me that there was pop culture outside of just video games. And to be clear, Jay and I loved video games. I think we were still Nintendo people at that time because it was 89 i think we all played nes and stuff like that nobody could afford a genesis and i think this even predates me grabbing a turbo graphics uh because i think that grabbed the turbo graphics in 91 or 92 so this would be mostly purely nintendo although jay stays around for a while before moving to texas he moved to el paso um when he was young and that's why i knew where el paso texas was when i was like 12 years old or something <laughs> but anyway uh the middle the middle school years was with jay but like mike too in fact jay if you remember i think you listen to this um i think mike you and me all hung out together but i remember like i usually would either hang with jay or mike and i liked hanging with them for different reasons mike was quiet reserved and wanted to play a lot of video games jay was a little more outspoken he was very charismatic still is very charismatic individual um didn't give a fuck kind of what the world thought. I've always had that take on Jay. Jay Jay is the one who taught me that you don't have to necessarily filter yourself. And as long as you're not trying to offend, you can say what you feel. And if somebody comes off as a, a shithead to you, uh, don't get in their face by any stretch of the imagination, but call them out on it. You know what I mean? Myself included when I was a shithead to him. 
And um, the, the big distinct things I remember about Jay was he introduced me to some very important things. One of the big things he introduced me to was the WWF at the time, now known as the World Wrestling, uh, WWE, whatever that's called, Enterprise. I don't know. I, I don't follow wrestling now. But he showed me that. I got to have my favorite. I, I had no idea I was a fan of a heel, but my favorite was the, uh, the, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Loved him. Jay, if I were to guess... I'm probably inserting this because of my love of, uh, uh, what is it, They Live. But you either loved Rowdy Roddy Piper or Jake the Snake Roberts. And part of me thinks it was Jake the Snake. But maybe I'm way off base and you were like everybody else and was either an Ultimate Warrior or a Hulk Hogan fan. Uh, and, And to be clear, back in those days, it was hard to not be also a Hulk Hogan or Ultimate Warrior fan. And I didn't watch all of the wrestling stuff, but like Jay had like tapes of the wrestling things. I think you even introduced me to the Royal Rumble and this concept of 30 people getting into a ring and throwing each other around. It was it was pretty cool and it was a spectacle. But you know what, Jay, I think you liked even more than WWF and you were probably right at the time was American Gladiators. I seem to distinctly remember every Sunday, like if I was over at Jay's house, I think it was six or seven o'clock, we would watch. American Gladiators. And I was so fascinated by it. And there were certain events I liked more than others. I really liked the joust, uh, but that was probably because they knocked them into, I think it was pads at first. And maybe the water was later, or maybe the water was a different version of American Gladiators that we never saw in the 80s. Um, I remember loving the uh, the assault where there's a there's a big uh, Gatling gun at the front that the uh, the gladiator has and you got to run through and you got to hit a target behind them and you start off with like tennis balls and then you would eventually get a big Nerf rocket launcher and stuff like that. I remember that stuff um, and then I remember there was also a game where there would be little. Um, plastic tubs in like five different areas of the of the ring and you grab balls and try to stuff them in there but like the balls were roughly the exact same size as the opening so you had to really get some precision in there and you got two or three gladiators like ready to tackle you at any moment Uh, I remember watching that at Jay's house all the time and just being fascinated by it and what was really interesting was as I recall um, your dad was always a really laid back person he was always a lot of fun to talk to and he just seemed like a very cheery person to this day I think he's still like that and I remember Jay's dad um, had like a job he couldn't talk about and I'll kind of leave it there I know what he did now but like I'll just leave it there Um, mom was there I apologize Jay I don't remember if your mom worked but she was the one who really kind of got into all this stuff and she was really encouraging of Jay it was kind of cool it wasn't kind of cool it was very cool Um, and so I remember her watching this stuff with us maybe she didn't watch wrestling but I definitely remember her getting into American Gladiators with us and uh, the last thing I remember and I'm sorry if this embarrasses you but I think almost no one knows who you are is listening to this uh was jay and his mom had this amazing um uh choreography they did to paul abdul's uh opposites attract and i think you had the cassette tape for it but i recall either when the video came on mtv or maybe you had a vhs recording from mtv of the uh the animated cat and paula abdul and uh they would do the parts and it was really awesome like to to watch them do it i remember actually finding this awesome it wasn't goofy it wasn't sad it wasn't embarrassing it was Flat out awesome. But anyway. Um, and again, Jay and I had a lot of fun. I think, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure, Jay, you saw me move into the house I grew up in. Uh, or kind of, quote unquote, grew up in. Because I was like, what, 1990? I was eight when I moved into that house. But the primary house that, that my family grew up in. Um, and, uh, and, and 
Yeah, and then he moved away. And Jay, for the life of me, I can't remember. You might have even moved away before Mike. In fact, I kind of remember. Did you move away in 91? Maybe. You moved away, and then I think I went back to hanging out with Mike more often. Um, but uh, but yeah, yeah. And, and Jay lived kind of by the Big Bear Lake stuff in, in, these, in these duplexes. Um, or like, I don't, I don't know. I, I think they would be considered duplexes. But it was like two houses into one big, like building but anyway um but then uh but then yeah after that probably my next friend and and definitely very notable um was uh was chris and uh yeah chris was chris was very cool uh chris lived near me he lived a block away and this was when i moved into the house in mundelein which i had talked about last week the one across from the park and stuff like that two-story house it was great it was wonderful uh, I moved there in 1990, and I probably meet Chris around that same time. We probably met at the park. And it was kind of funny because in 1990, I had gotten chubby. Like, I was always a kind of lean kid um, with uh, with a relatively lean build. I was I would even say I was referred to as mildly tall and skinny. Uh, it's definitely not how I would describe my build even today. Um, but uh, when I turned eight, like all of a sudden, I remember that summer going to my grandma's house for a while and then just chubbing up and it just kept going. And I was a fat kid at this point. And there's nothing wrong with that, actually. I was having fun. But it was hilarious because it was total Jay and Silent Bob thing with me and Chris. Uh, Chris's dad, uh, Chris lived with his dad alone. His mom lived in Boston. And I don't know the stories as to why he was out with his dad, like why he lived with his dad, but it didn't really matter. Uh, his dad was an Allstate agent, um, and uh, a, I'll say a, a successful one at that. Uh, and he he had this amazing uh, mustache. I remember his dad had this amazing mustache. Uh, I'll still remember it today. And um, and his dad owned a house that was the same as my parents were combined owning, but on his own. You know, and then eventually as Chris got older and his dad was working more because his dad was a very successful Allstate agent. Um, His dad drove a nice car. I want to say a Mercedes or a Beamer or maybe he traded them off, Um, meaning like he would go back and forth between whichever model he liked at the time. And I remember, uh, you know, like eventually as Chris got older and his dad had to work more and have later hours and stuff, he just hired an au pair to live in the house. And I remember we always had these young, attractive girls that would be... um, that would be in the house and, uh, and, and, and like watching us and stuff like that. Um, we were never really drawn to them. I don't think we really went through like the, the hardcore throes of puberty being attracted to those au pairs. But even if we did go through the hardcore throes of puberty, cause I remember he had no pair. No, I think by the time he was 14, she, any of those females had moved out and there was a full guest bedroom cause these were three bedroom houses. Um, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't remember ever being attracted to any of them, but they were they were cool ladies. I don't know. They were they were like not lazy babysitters. They were kind of in there and and interactive and stuff like that. But yeah, Chris had Chris had a nice upbringing, uh, as did I. Like I lived in the same neighborhood. Like, but you know, his dad was doing it alone. Like it was like damn, single income, didn't really have to do much. Could hire a, a woman to come live. Like she was foreign. I think they were all foreign. Maybe Russian, Swedish. I don't know. Um, Nice girls, just just making some good money. And I think there was one that would do like a summer thing and then one that would be there the whole time. So they were a little older and they just, it was an in-between and they'd make some good money and then they'd move on. I think they were always in like nine month or one year contracts. Um, but uh, but yeah, yeah. And, and again, I just realized I didn't tell a babysitter story that was video game oriented. 
in uh, my houses, but I don't know. I think, well, no, it wouldn't fit in the dating story. So for some reason, I can't get this one out of my head. So I'm going to pause from Chris for a minute, uh, just for a minute, and talk about... um, this very interesting story. So I had this babysitter and my mom just didn't vet her very well. And she was literally a crazy girl. Like, I don't know how else to describe it. And this was when I was, let's see, 89, 90. We moved in 90. So she probably watched us between 89 and 90. She always watched my sister as well. My sister would have been four and I would have been, what is that? Uh, eight. And uh, this girl, uh, this girl's probably 16. And I remember finding her intriguing, but I didn't know why I found her intriguing. I now know why I found her intriguing. But she would do all kinds of crazy stuff. She would, like, get these, like, torn jeans and these, like, tie-dyed, like, cut-off t-shirts and, like, run through the sprinkler with us. And then I remember, uh, because she would watch me a lot when my sister wasn't being watched. Like, maybe she was in daycare or she was with my mom or something and this girl would just watch me for the afternoon alone. And I remember this was one of those days when we were alone. And I remember she took me, uh, first of all, we tie-dyed my clothes. So we took these markers and stuff and we like broke them into a bowl. And then we took white shirts and tie-dyed them. And I remember my mom was all pissed off about it. And it wasn't even good tie-dye, like one run through the wash and all the ink had come out. Um, And then she ran us through the sprinklers and I had asthma as a kid like ever since I started running it's like gone away and I I I argue that I keep it away by keeping up with my cardio um but uh I haven't used an inhaler in decades um but uh but yeah like she ran me through the sprinkler and I remember coughing and stuff like that and going to our screen in porch this was sorry this is the duplex between the condo and before I move into this house um and uh I remember we were on the back porch and she was like okay well we got to change out of clothes and I remember she took her shirt off Yeah, I saw like her breasts and I was just like, well, what are those? And then uh, she was quickly like, I I, I specifically remember her reacting weirdly. And she like covered herself up and she probably called me a pervert or something. I don't know. I don't remember. But I remember just coughing my my head off and having these glasses and being this chubby kid. And here's this young, thin thing just like stripping in front of me and I didn't understand why. And then she asked me if I had a robe and I didn't. And so I remember giving her my dad's bathrobe and I remember her walking around the house in nothing but my dad's bathrobe. And then she wanted to play a weird game of, um, of, uh, uh, like we would tape each other to the rocking chair. My parents had this old rickety rocking chair. And then you'd play a game where you'd throw the person back as if they're going to fly backwards and hit their head on the ground, but then you'd catch them before they hit their head on the ground. And I remember the first time, uh, she did it to me first and, uh, cause I had fully changed clothes cause I could change into dry clothes. Um, but, uh, but she couldn't cause she just had the clothes she wore. Um, and, uh, and so I remember doing it first and then she, uh, I went to go do hers and I don't remember even noticing or caring, but I remember specifically her making a point out of this was I threw her back once and I think the robe came up and she freaked out and I didn't know why. And she was like, pull me up, pull me up, pull me up. And so I put her back in the upright position. And then she, I remember her saying, I need you to go to the front of the robe where it kind of you know, is by my knees and tape it to the bottom of the rocking chair. And I was like, that's weird. Why does she want me to do that? But now I know why. Um, But like, again, I was too young to know. But the reason I bring all this up is later on when I talk about dating, this will become relevant uh, to my early days because um, not only did I grow up in a female dominated house, once my dad moved out, it was me and my two sisters, my mom and my two sisters and me. 
Um, but women kind of run both families, both my wife's and my, uh, my side of the family. Um, and then on top of that, this babysitter definitely got me into like being kind of submissive towards women. And I wouldn't say that's the case now, but at the time, yeah, like I will get used and abused by women who, and I'll call them girls actually, cause this was in high school and, and, and grade school and stuff like that. But like, they didn't do it on purpose. It's just like, I tolerated stuff. And I think to a certain extent, I also, you have a penchant for tolerating a lot of bullshit when you're in high school, especially with a girl who says she's in love with you. And especially one who's having sex with you. Um, but that wasn't the case with this babysitter. Like nothing sexual ever happened between Yeah, sure. She took her shirt off when it was wet, but she probably didn't think anything of it until she realized I was looking. And so she probably thought I was too young to notice. And then once I noticed, she was like, Oh, okay, maybe I should watch it. Um, but uh, but I remember specifically renting Castlevania II Simon's Quest and finding it impossible as fuck, but she liked to play video games. I think that was so cool. And so she, I remember her being in my bed and playing video games. And again, she was on my bed for the same reason we were on Mike's bed. Like when you were a kid, you had your bed, there was no furniture in your room, and then you had your TV. <laughs> and so I remember her playing video games while she was watching me one time. And she learned that I knew how to cook. And yeah, at an early age, my parents learned taught me how to cook. And I think she came over in the morning and like right after my parents left, I remember her saying, I'm going to play video games and you have to make me breakfast. And so I made her scrambled eggs and uh, pancakes and everything. And then she made me bring it in a certain way. And she was a total bitch to me when it wasn't the way she liked it. Um, and for some reason I kind of dug like getting yelled at and stuff like that, which I don't understand why my parents didn't particularly like they, they scolded me like parents would, but I don't remember why she even cared or, or did any of that stuff, but she did. And, uh, probably explains a lot about me today, but Hey, um, anyway, uh, the other thing I remember about her was, um, she, uh, yeah, she used to talk shit to me. I remember playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I remember getting that when it first came out we thought the game was going to be the shit and it was actually kind of terrible. Um, it wasn't terrible. For some reason, I have like a likeness for it. But back in those days, yeah, I remember just sucking at it. And I remember her telling me how bad I sucked at it and like calling me out on that stuff. Again, this girl was crazy. But she did introduce me to Labyrinth. She introduced me to the word piss because she was like, yeah, you haven't seen Labyrinth, the movie with David Bowie, who's so sexy. And then that puppet pissing into a pool, which she's talking about this early scene with Hoggle where um, Sarah stumbles upon him and he's peeing in a pool uh, in, a, in a pond or, or really a fountain that's just in front of the front gate and killing fairies with like uh, some sort of pesticide um but uh, yeah anyway uh so she showed me labyrinth so good for her and i think even the dark crystal she showed me and i think she brought over the vhs tapes to the house to show me those things so good for her um and again she just kind of showed me that it was fun to be a little loosey-goosey about the rules you know what i mean like uh again she wasn't like any i, I wouldn't even say i had a crush on her because I didn't know what attraction was, but she was just like my first taste of rebellion, I guess I would say. And like, I remember my mom didn't like her too much, but kept hiring her back, which made no sense. But hey, anyway, we would never see her again once we moved into the other house. My mom definitely did away with her eventually. Um, but uh, back to Chris. So, so there's Chris and me, Jay and Silent Bob. And I remember one of our favorite things to do was reenact scenes from Back to the Future. And he would always make me be Doc and uh, Doc Brown, and he would always be Marty McFly. And that I think that happens with kids. I'm seeing that with my daughter. Like she's got a neighborhood girl that she plays with, like a, a literal neighbor. 
and that girl always leads the brigade. She goes, we're playing this. These are what we're playing with. These are the toys we're playing with, and this is your role. And I remember my wife and I both wanted to get involved with that. And then I started thinking back to my childhood life with Chris, and Chris was a good guy. He, he wasn't a dick, but he just took that. He wasn't even particularly assertive. In fact, I would say he was quieter between the two of us, especially as we grew up and went to high school together. But um, but yeah, back when we were 12, like, yeah, he would just, he, he, 10, 11, 12, he would just say, that's what we're doing. And uh, this is the role I'm playing. And I would always be the old doc. <laughs> um, but we did a lot of stuff. Chris was very active and outdoorsy and I was fat and wheezy. And so I didn't like to be outdoorsy, but he showed me that you could be outdoorsy. He would always play at the park. He was the one who got me to bike and bike to downtown. Once his dad, his dad was very liberal with him. And then my mom was too. And again, it was the nineties. Um, but he was the one who, um, you know, showed me that kind of stuff. Um, he loved to be. A, he loved to play baseball, softball. He loved to climb and all that stuff. And again, he was a young, skinny, kind of muscular. Well, he wasn't muscular, but he was like lean kid. So he could he could keep up with all that stuff. He could run really well. He would always run like a a seven minute mile, six minute mile without even trying. There I was hoofing it for a twelve minute mile back in the day, like we were such opposites, but we like got along and he kept me active. And, and like, if, if nothing else, my parents had to see like he, his diet was a steady diet of those candy ropes, you know, those strawberry things. I don't think they really have them nowadays. They have those sour ropes that are at target and stuff like that, but those aren't like these ones. These ones were super chewy and super hard and you could almost use them as straws, but they were these long sour ropes. And there was only two colors, green and red. And one was cherry. One was sour apple. And they were just covered in sugar. And again, there's similar products nowadays, but they weren't like these. These things would get stuck in your teeth forever. They were like stickier than Twizzlers. They were stickier than gummy bears. Uh, and they were so good. And they were cheap. They would only sell them in this candy shop. They weren't in packages, pre-packages. They were always in candy shops and malls and like that That place, Hometown Comics, which closed a long time ago. But it was like a card shop, comic shop, candy shop, and eventually a, a magic shop, like Magic the Gathering. Um, tabletop place. But, um, but I remember we'd go up there because, uh, I think it was, you did it by weight. And so you could buy like a dozen of these straws and it was like a dollar, you know, uh, what, what else did he eat? He would drink, um, caffeine free Pepsi (laughs) and he would eat tons of those boxed fries. I think Mrs. Fields or something, they were in little red boxes and they were microwavable fries and you just pull these individual packages. They're probably roughly the size of like a large juice box and you stick them in the microwave for a minute. You'd break open the top and it was like a dozen crinkly fries and it was like hilarious and and he would eat all that stuff and he'd stay thin and meanwhile I would eat like home cooked you know fresh veggies and all that stuff and I was running around with him all day long and I'd stay fat as a fat anyway um so that's that's some to a certain extent I think that had a little bit to do with diet um but it's also how your body's natural chemistry was because I've learned that I naturally gain weight easily with sugar and large quantities of grains and carbohydrates Whereas, um, if you give me a bunch of fats, I actually lose weight, stay healthy and my, my levels stay normal. So what do you know? I process fats better than I do carbs. Anyway, diet lesson over. Um, so I remember hanging out with him and from there we started meeting some of the Boulder neighborhood kids. And these kids used to be the kids that would pick on us, but somehow in junior high, we all evened out and we all like became friends because we all lived in the same neighborhood. And so the first one was Phil. Phil was tall. Phil was like 6'2 at like 13 years old. He was super tall. He looked older than all of us. He could buy cigarettes and like pass for like 
you know, back when I started, uh, you know, I'll start smoking at 15, which is a terrible thing. I'll quit by 21, but I'll start smoking at 16, 15. And, um, and Phil could go buy a cigarettes at 15 and like nobody would card him or question it. Like, and it made sense. He was tall. He fucking looked old. Um, but yeah, I remember that stuff. He'd ride a bike up to the gas station, then hide it where the attendant couldn't see it and then go buy cigarettes. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I remember Phil and, uh, and, and Phil was fun and we got into a lot of trouble. Phil would get in, into legal trouble and stuff like that. And Phil's dad was a cop. So he was cool. He was really cool. Phil was fun people. But again, he was another person who kind of showed me that rebellion could be fun, but you had to use logic. And the other thing I remember about Phil, which was really awesome was he respected authority and adults probably because he was a cop's son, but like, it wasn't out of fear. Like he respected my mom because my mom was my mom. That was the only reason why. And he was always really polite to her. And he was always really polite to my dad. And he would authentically, like when he would see us breaking the parents' rules in the house, like look at us like, dude. And this is a guy who would easily shoplift something like if he wanted to. Although I I don't remember Phil being much of a thief. But he would do stuff like run from the cops. Or he would steal like lighter fluid and like spray it all over like a part of grass. And then we'd light it on fire. Or he'd smoke and buy cigarettes. But he's the first person who, when, if you tried to like steal chips when your mom told you the kitchen was closed or, or try to take a dollar from your mom's purse, he'd be like, dude, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like he, he would, and he did beat people's asses, luckily not us. Um, but I remember he picked on us back in the day, but it was before he knew who we were. But, um, yeah, Phil would beat your ass over that stuff. Like he, he wanted you to respect adults and especially the people who raised you and took you in. Like he, he appreciated parental respect way early in life. Um, and from there we met Neil. Neil was insane. Neil was a chubby kid like me. Uh, Neil got into some real trouble and I, I don't think he went anywhere, but Neil was, uh, Neil was, uh, he was the first guy I ever knew who smoked a roll of toilet paper. Yeah. You know, he lit a roll of toilet paper and smoked it like a joint. He was a crazy cat. Um, and, uh, and then from there we also met Craig, Craig, and these people all lived in my neighborhood. Craig was tall and skinny. Craig was always a super nice guy, super friendly, came from good family. He had like uh, a, a brother I remember and, but he was just always destined to be the nerdy guy who got picked on. And you know, he'll get the last laugh. Cause I think he dated like the hottest girl in our high school when he went to college. I remember seeing him at Illinois state university when I went out there and I didn't adapt well to college. I went from being popular in high school to being like a nobody in college, which I think is a lot of people's experience. Craig went from being picked on in high school and beaten up by even I beat him up. The only person I ever fought in high school, I fought like three people. One was Craig and I beat his ass. And I absolutely, he was my friend. I had absolutely no reason to do that. And he never deserved that. And I don't think he even wanted to, but I had to beat his ass because like, I guess there was a pecking order and I was at the bottom of the totem pole and I didn't want to be the bottom. So if I beat Craig's ass, I was like one rung ahead. It was stupid and it it kind of broke our friendship, but he was super cool to me when I went to ISU, when I got there and he was like, I, I, cause I went there like a week late or maybe he got there a week early or something like that. And he was already big man on campus. He knew a bunch of people. He had a bunch of friends. He was really social. Yeah. Yeah. But at the time Craig was always tagging along after us and this and that. And I remember he introduced me to pogs. That was the big thing with Craig, but these people were kind of our posse. Um, but more importantly, Chris and I would just play alone because while everybody here was interested in video games, like per se, Chris and I were really into video games. And I remember this on a pretty massive level because Chris got a lot of stuff before me. Um, he got an Apple, I I was running a Commodore 64 on my, on my TV. His dad bought an Apple IIe. 
And I remember playing Police Quest and Oregon Trail and all these other games at his house. I remember that was so cool. And then eventually we found a, uh, a copy of Le- a Leisure Suit Larry and we couldn't answer the stupid questions about like who, like what year Reagan was elected president or something. So we couldn't play the game. And then eventually we guessed one right. And then we tried to play Leisure Suit Larry and we never saw any nudity or anything. We were all pissed off about it. Um, but eventually Chris would get a Sega CD. Um, this would have been after Mike moved away. This would probably have been circa 93, 94. He would get a Sega CD. And we were playing Magic at the time. And then we moved over to Star Wars CCG. And I was always better at pulling characters from packs. And Chris was also the person who thought that if you had a more expensive card or a rarer card, that puts you at an advantage. And what he didn't understand was, so we would start trading. And his dad probably wasn't keen on some of the trades, but I think he hid it from his dad a bunch. But like, and and Chris also had a lot of stuff. Chris had an NES. He had a Genesis. I think he had a Super Nintendo. Then he had a Sega CD. He had a Game Gear and a Game Boy. I think he even had a fucking Lynx. Chris, I remember you having a Lynx and I don't think Chris listens to this, but anyway, um, I remember he had everything. And he's the reason I'm in love with Aerial Assault because he really liked Aerial Assault and I never would have bought an airplane game. Um, And he was the reason I was always jealous of a Game Gear. And even back then, Chris would just, plug the battery pack into the wall and we just use it as a wall outlet thing. We knew better than to use the batteries. But I remember at some point, Chris traded me a bunch of, I think, Star Wars cards. I think I traded him all the mains. So like Vader, Luke, Han, Obi-Wan, and maybe even Leia. I think it was the Power 5 mains. I gave him all those and maybe even Tarkin. I probably threw Tarkin in there and probably Chewbacca wasn't even in the main set. This was in the main set. This was in limited edition premiere. Um... But I, I, I'm I'm pretty sure I threw in Tarkin, but maybe he already had Tarkin. In fact, I seem to remember Chris had Tarkin and I had everybody else. And again, I was buying more packs than him because his dad wouldn't buy him packs because tangible cards were kind of stupid. He was a big baseball card collector. His dad was really into baseball. And so his dad was really into baseball cards because he knew the players, but he wasn't so keen on these collectible card games, which is something I introduced him to. And his dad was super nice and tolerant of me, but it was like, oh great, you've introduced my son to this thing where he wants to buy packs that aren't baseball cards. And he wants them more frequently because they actually help him win the game so eventually chris traded me all the mains for sega cd and what he didn't realize was he got all the mains so then he would win every game because he had a bunch of awesome decks and star wars was one where you could actually win that way so i didn't want to play star wars as much and he gave me a sega cd so i want to play more sega cd games and it kind of bit him in the ass and yes chris's sega cd was the one where i played the infamous double switch at thanksgiving I think 94, um, that I talked about last episode. Um, and his dad never did find out I got the Sega CD from him that way. I think I had to give him some other stuff, maybe some magic cards as well. But yeah, uh, I traded Chris for that. Um, and then eventually I would trade in that Genesis and that Sega CD for a PlayStation. But before I got it, Chris is the one who got a PlayStation. And then we went to Funko Land and we were trading in a bunch of games for him and picking what we were going to get. And we didn't know what games to get at launch. And they, I don't... Yeah, they would sell us mature-rated games because I remember they sold us Resident Evil. But for some reason, I remember him not getting Mortal Kombat 3. I think Chris's dad had an issue with Mortal Kombat because he'd seen the news story, whereas my parents were cool with Mortal Kombat. So anyway, um, and so we got Resident Evil, and it was like a horror movie come to life. Like I've told that story. If you go back and listen to the Resident Evil episodes with Jam, especially Silent Evil 1, um, I think I talk about that stuff. But... uh, but yeah, I remember playing that with him and it was just phenomenal. And we loved the shit out of that game. But yeah, Chris is the one who I experienced the glory of the PlayStation and the glory of Resident Evil with. And I'll always remember that. 
Um, and, 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 you know, honestly, Chris and I would, uh, once I became friends with Jay and like a group of other friends, which I think I'm going to talk about at a different time, uh, because there's not a whole lot of video games in that, but like they were my high school friends. Once high school hit like Jay, me, Phil, and all of us, we were more junior high friends and we would stay friends in high school and we all lived around this area. But especially once you're talking like 15, 16, you can start driving around. Like we just ran with different groups. Um, but I remember at 14, 15, we didn't because I remember my first two girlfriends, Danielle and, um, and Christina, um, Christina was never a girlfriend of Phil's, but Christina took Phil's virginity just cause they were hanging out one time in the neighborhood. Christina lived in our neighborhood and I remember her, she was this crazy goth redhead girl, um, which is why I loved her. Um, and I remember she was just hanging out with Phil and he mentioned he was a virgin and he didn't want to be, I think he was 14. And she was just like, well, I'll take care of your virginity if you want to. And he goes, really? And her friend drove a sob and he just hopped in the back of the sob with her, had sex with her. I mean, that was, that was Christina, how she knew Phil. <laughs> and Danielle was Phil's ex actually. Um, and I'll talk about it in the dating episode, but like she was a big deal because, uh, interracial couple, she was black. I was white. Um, I was Hispanic actually. Um, but, uh, but you know what, uh, even though it was probably weird to both of our parents, although I don't remember her parents thinking it was weird at all. Um, but it was a little, I wouldn't say my mom was discouraging it or anything. She just was surprised that my first girlfriend would be black. Not that she cared. She didn't seem to care and she was super polite to her. Um, but, uh, I, I just don't think she expected it. But yeah, Phil was the reason I met all those people. But I'll roll with a different crew in high school. Like, uh, especially once I started dating uh, my first like big time girlfriend in high school. Well, I guess second one, um, which was Katie. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, like uh, I would switch my groups of friends. But like growing up, like I would say those were my groups of friends. And I think that all changed when Chris introduced me to Jason. And Jason or Jay, as we call it, would introduce me to a whole ridiculous, wonderful, hilarious, loyal world that taught me everything I think I needed to know about how to navigate street smarts. Jason was both book smart and street smart, and he taught everything he could about street smarts to me. Kind of took me under his wing, per se, but we were the same age. And it was funny because he never really presented it that way. But he wanted everybody in his group of friends, not just me, to experience life. And he, boy, he sure had a good way of doing it. Um, so I think my high school antics and um, friends uh, with, with, with Jason and, and, and that, that high school group, because um, it was a couple of guys, a couple of girls, um, is Probably plus I haven't talked about my friends like Hefe. I'll meet Hefe at that time. He he's done some episodes here with me, and then uh, Joe and Joe, um, which were the two the two other friends, and they were kind of an in between in between. Chris. They they helped me transition. Like I'd hang out with Chris less, hang out with them more, and Jason kind of knew them, and they were over in that area. And then I would transition away from them because they suddenly found girls more interesting than Magic. Like they would still play Magic the Gathering. And, and I always was connected with them through not video games, really, but more Magic the Gathering and comics. Um, we did play video games. Though. I remember playing Mortal Kombat 2 over at Joey's house. So I don't know. But anyway, I would start hanging with those people. And they kind of helped me into high school. And even though I still hung out, you know, you had two different groups of friends. But like they were like a separate group. And then everything would change with Jason. And I would just kind of dedicate my life there uh, to hang in with him. And that would continue out of high school. Um, 
but yeah, uh, and so those were kind of the di- the different groups of friends. Um, this show's getting long, so I'm going to wrap up with one more friend um, who is, again, it's a completely removed friend. I don't even remember how we met each other, but he's a significant friend, and he ended up being my first roommate out of high school. Uh, we went to college in Chicago together uh, at Columbia College. Um, we both went for film. Uh, actually, no, he went for film... Katie, my high school girlfriend, who we had broken up at this point, and she was dating another guy, a guy who always wanted to get with her when we were in high school. When I say get with her, I mean date, not specifically fuck. He wasn't just pursuing her. Um, And I I think he truly loved her. But anyway, she was dating him, and she was at Columbia College Chicago for dance. I wasn't yet. I was at DePaul for, um, believe it or not, marketing concepts. And, um, and then I would transfer to Columbia College Chicago for film after that. But Ray would introduce me to that program. But this is Ray, my buddy Ray. And Ray was really cool. I, again, I can't remember, Ray, how I met you. But Ray um, lived, uh, he kind of lived over by Jason. And actually, if I think back, they might have been friends because they all kind of were the same neighborhood. Um, Ray lived in the houses across from the duplexes that Jason lived in. But again, I can't stress enough how like neighborhoods, especially in those suburbs, were like half duplexes, half houses. And you really didn't notice the difference. Like there was never any like comparisons like I feel like a lot of people do today. But maybe that's because of where I've moved to and stuff like that. But like, yeah, I don't remember that ever mattering. But Ray was um, from a family of educators. His parents are really intelligent and they all worked for schools. Um... And they were, uh, dad was Colombian, mom was Cuban. So interesting mix there. And with me being Costa Rican, like, you know, I remember my dad would come over and my mom spoke Spanish as well, even though she's American and everybody would like speak Spanish. So I think they became friends because they had things in common and they really liked to merge with Hispanics. And again, we were all a group of Hispanics who all looked mostly white, uh, Ray's mom, definitely uh she was cuban so she was a little darker and and showed but but his dad did not and then um and gosh i hope i'm getting this right i i'm pretty sure it was his mom who was cuban his dad who was colombian but um but uh so ray and his sister had darker skin tones as well but again we're talking subtleties here um but again it was just like a big friendship thing and they had they they were very welcoming warm family um and jay and i did like video games a lot and we did play a lot of video games and I think Ray was just down with anything like we were really close friends I remember us getting into some fights and I remember us being upset because we got into fights and uh, this and that but I just remember like lots of sleepovers lots of hanging out with all these people I've mentioned today Hefe was probably over at Ray's at some point I bet both the Joey's uh, hung out with Ray in fact may have hung out with him first um, you know I uh, you know, Chris might have even hung out with him, but I think Ray was predominantly my friend first out of our neighborhood friends. But like lots of people like hung out. But I just remember going over to Ray's house a lot. Again, lots of sleepovers, both houses. Um, and um, and I uh, remember that uh, Ray was really into music. Yeah, so I remember him getting me really into music. And I just remembered the other friend, which was Chris. Oh, Chris. Okay, so there's Chris in my neighborhood, and then there's another Chris. And this Chris is very interesting. Um, He always had a a flat top for a haircut. 
uh, he he was always really. Uh, I remember I I knew him because of video games. Like we played Nintendo together. But as time would go on, he would introduce me to two things that were very pivotal in my life. And Ray would share these interests as well. And I would say me, Ray, and Chris would hang out with our interests in these following things really quick which is one they all introduced me to horror movies first time i saw toxic avenger was thanks to chris first time i watched like friday the 13th or nightmare on elm street and stuff like that that was all chris me and ray we would all watch these crazy horror movies together we would break out the video camera and make horror movies with one another and goof around and stuff like that and um they were also into music because chris had an older brother who was super into music and i remember it was in the 80s so he was trying to show us like what hair metal was good hair metal and what like original bands like guns and roses was awesome but fuck warrant and stuff like that um chris was a drummer ray was a bassist and i think his brother was a Chris's brother was a guitarist and so very artsy family um and uh it was funny because their parents were really straight laced but like they were a very like artsy couple of kids and um I just remember that uh that Chris like marched to the beat of his own drum not to you know kind of steal the same statements I was just making and uh And again, these were like three groups of friends that as I think back on it, I hung out with all of them at the same time, but I just don't remember. I didn't remember at the time. And the couple of things I remember about Chris before, I would say Chris never moved out of a Nintendo. Um, But I remember playing Breakthrough with him, which was an interesting one. I remember he, uh, we played Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, and I remember he had the big Nintendo guide that came with his, which was in some packages of the NES in like 87, 88, um, that was like this big like strategy guide that had a bunch of cheat codes for the early Nintendo games. I remember that's where we learned Justin Bailey, I think, for Metroid. Um, But yeah, yeah. And again, I would hang out with all these people in different spurts, but now that I think about it, like, it was like, yeah, uh, Chris, Phil, Neil, Craig, all these people, these were all like the the neighborhood kids, you know, that you'd hang out with. And then Ray and Chris, I would go over to their houses. And like I lived in Mundelein, Ray lived in Vernon Hills, Chris lived in Libertyville. So we were like this weird triangle. And then Chris moved to my neighborhood. And then Ray moved into an, a closer neighborhood, but like slightly bigger houses and stuff like that. So everybody kind of started moving closer to one another, but then we started moving apart because it was high school and like we were friends, but like we had other things to do. And especially when you're dating, like things get different. Um, and, uh, and, and they got into music scenes. They actually were in bands, Ray and, and the other Chris, they were in bands. They were actually in a band together. Um, so, uh, where Ray was the bassist and, uh, and Chris was a drummer. So like they got really musically inclined. And like even then, like even in school band, like Chris was percussion and, and Ray was saxophone. So like they, I was clarinet and eventually bass clarinet. It wasn't that fancy. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I remember, I remember all that stuff. And then of course there was the other group, which was Jay and Joey and Hefe and, and the other Joey and stuff like that. And so, yeah, it was, it was an interesting mix of people. And if you're not going cross-eyed right now, you probably should be. Um, but it was just like a lot of friends and a lot of just learning lots of stuff. Um, but again, I'd probably live more life experiences. And I think there would be very little, if none at all, video game talk when I discuss, um, you know, uh, in the next episode that I discuss friends, which won't be the next 
show I do. Uh, maybe it will be. I don't know. I'll have to think it through. Or maybe I'll pick a different topic. I guess you'll have to tune in and find out in two weeks. Um, but uh, I definitely want to do an episode that's just about, you know, have a Joey Joey and then also um, uh, Jason and then that group of friends, which uh, would would give way to um, Adam, Ryan, and uh, Veronica, or Ronnie as we call her. Um and those would be like my core groups of friends. Um, but it'll be very interesting because there's some interesting uh, dating drama and stuff like that. So, And I do eventually want to do a girlfriend's episode, but I've got like the Power Five. What's the, uh, what's the record shop movie with uh, John Cusack? I'm forgetting it, but somebody is blurting it out right now as they're listening to this episode where he talks about his five major exes. Well, I have a literal five major exes. And I definitely want to talk about them. And I don't know if I can do it in one episode, but maybe I can. I'll try to do it, but it'll be a longer episode. I'm still trying to keep these at about an hour. But anyway, I've rambled on long enough, so I'm going to wrap it up here. But again, keep the questions coming, keep the comments coming and and things like that. Um, Again, I want to start bouncing around at different times in my life. I don't want to just make it all chronological. I think that was my original plan. And now I think I'm going to switch it up. So anyway, stay tuned for episode three, which I don't know what it's going to be called. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I guess we'll call this friends part one. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so there's, there's a little bit more about, uh, you know, my friends and my upbringing. And so, uh, stay tuned and, uh, next up, you know, we'll have some, but again, contact game at gaminghistory101.com if you want to, or, or join our discord or something and talk to me about it. If you want to request like an era or a topic or something with storytelling, cause I can really go off the cuff about really anything. Um, so, so anyway, um, but eventually I'm going to get onto dating soon. Cause I do like to talk about girls because they were a very important part of my youth. Um, but yeah, with that, uh, I will call it, uh, a go. So until next time, peace out. Oh, and I almost forgot. Uh, I always close with a song and, and you probably heard it a little bit in the opening. Um, one of the most interesting things Chris ever introduced me to, and this would be the uh, musician Chris, not the neighborhood Chris, uh, was Beck. And I'm not talking about like, you know, like Odile Beck or later on Beck. I'm talking about Mellow Gold Beck, like way right when the album came out, way before I should ever had any business uh, appreciating that. And our favorite song was um, uh, was Pay No Mind, track two on there. Or at least it was my favorite song. I, Chris played along probably just to be nice. Um, but I remember just loving the insane almost senseless nature of it so uh so we'll wrap up with uh, beck's uh, pay no mind off of the mellow gold album give the finger to the rock and roll singer as he's dancing upon your paycheck the sails climb high through the garbage pale sky like a giant dildo crushing the sun that's why I know.